Welcome to Idol Weekend. I'm Danielle Riando, and I'm here with my co-host Rob Zachney to wind down another week. And this week, we're talking about games that change your entire relationship with games, or systems that did that. Because I know, Rob, you have fallen down a switch hole, and you <laughs> are just having a blast with Nintendo's little hybrid console. And uh, I, I have to say, I fully support this. But I know it's also really changed the way you play, which is extremely cool. Yeah, I I talked a little bit about this on, on Waypoint this week, but I think... You have to understand that, like, I have had this history for a number of years. Like, I practically built shrines uh, to my entertainment and and to my gaming centers. Right, like, <laughs> as soon as I started getting like nice apartments, I was like, I was like, I must have well, nice ish, uh, as nice <laughs> as, as freelancers can afford. Yeah. Uh, in in a city like Boston, uh, I was like, I must have five point one surround. I must have a decent sized screen. Um, <laughs> And I think desktop PC gaming, like, certainly demands uh, a certain type of setup. Uh, you know, it demands a place that, you know, that sort of lean forward gaming, uh, as it were, like sit up, like it, 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 it yeah, you know, commands its own space. Uh, and every modern console is, you know, a multimedia entertainment center in itself. Like, again, they're designed to be hooked up at the center of a pretty, like, you know, theater format uh, setup. Yeah. And what I love about the Switch is that it's kind of forced me out of that entirely. Like, it's liberated me <laughs> from my own gaming habits. Like, And these are habits that I, I've never felt, like, oppressed by. Like, I've always felt like, yeah, this is this is how I game. Like, this, you know, like, just all the power gamer bullshit. Uh, but then the Switch comes along, and it's like, well, what if you just, like, sort of curl up in a corner yeah. and play it on handheld? What if you... Just, you know, play a little bit of Zelda before bed. Uh, you know, let your eyes get heavy. Um, why don't you just hang out in the living room with, you know, when your friends are sort of gathered around and like just sort of keep, you know, half an eye on your Stardew farm. Uh, but, you know, whenever somebody, whenever the conversation comes around to you or somebody says something interesting, you just, you know, just put it down, put it aside. Uh, it'll be waiting for you. You can just launch right back in. In the meantime, you can, you know, just, engage with whatever else is happening around you and that's a pretty huge change for me and it's turning out that i really like it yeah i'm i'm so excited to hear this uh to be honest because that's the kind of gamer i've been for a while now actually is sort of appreciating not just the portability of a handheld or a you know more mobile console but i really like to play games like in bed or sort of lazing on a couch, not not sort of focused on a giant screen, but like curled up, just really happy in my own little world in a lot of ways. And some of the games I played uh, the most this year, and not Prey, obviously, because that was my big screen game, but I played those sort of uh, 200 plus hours of Breath of the Wild on my Wii U gamepad screen, like on the tiny little, it's, it's not even nearly as good quality as the Switch screen. Um, and it's not quite as portable, but the gamepad itself was sort of the, you know, almost proto switch in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I played that game sort of while, uh, my girlfriend was playing something on the big screen. I'd be playing Zelda for hours and hours, just having the time of my damn life curled up into, you know, on the other side of our sofa or sort of like in bed or, or just really happily kind of just absolutely diving into my own little world. And it really feels intimate in certain ways to kind of have that little screen in your hands, just sort of lying on your stomach or whatever, and just 
that's it. It's your private little world. It's almost like your own little view into another world. And I find that just intensely comforting and really, really nice. Um, I imagine that that feeling goes for games that aren't just sort of nice games, if that makes any sense. You know, I think Breath of the Wild certainly has its sort of action elements as well and 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 moments of, of you know, giant adventure and not just sort of hominess and cooking food and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's really, really pleasing to kind of have your own tiny window into a world. Yeah, and I think it, like, and what I wrote about on the site was it reminds me a lot of, of you know, paperbacks, right? Like mm. just being able to curl up with a book. But it's a weird thing because I've never really associated that with games. And I've always sort of thought there was something about the medium itself that didn't lend itself to that feeling. But um, what happens a lot with reading is there's a certain weightlessness to reading. Like... Once you're engaged with the text, um, the the medium almost disappears, right? It just yeah. sort of pulls you in. You're, you could be reading on a nook. You're reading on your phone. Uh, or you could be reading some massive hardcover <laughs> that like is, <laughs> is slowly cutting off circulation to your, uh, to your legs. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but eventually, no matter what format you're reading it in, it can sometimes start to feel like, well, you're just, you know, engaging with... Uh, the text you've got that sort of mind that mind link uh, to to the author, and I've never felt games lend themselves to that very often. Um, so I, I, to an extent, I almost didn't feel that this was possible. Um, and yet with the switch, I I do find that that happening where I just stop being hyper conscious of uh, of the thing I'm. of the medium itself right like i'm just i'm just holding this thing and i'm still me i'm not like i'm not immersed in the way i'm immersed when i'm wearing uh you know headphones and i'm staring into a 27 inch monitor from like (laughs) you know 16 inches away uh you know it's a way like i am still present in the world but also i am like mentally deeply engaged with this this set of tasks and i can sort of switch between those two states uh really really quickly yeah, I did a little snap there. That, that was, yeah. You know, good, good but, stuff. I I also love that the Switch is, oh God, I was, I, I'm still laughing at the, the whole Switch thing because it is a little bit absurd, but I do love that for certain types of experiences, it's totally easy to put it on the big screen. I have not played L.A. Noire yet on it. I do want to grab L.A. Noire on it because I actually think that's Rockstar's best game and I enjoyed it quite a bit, even though it has obviously some major flaws. Huh. Um, but... I, w- I really want to play that on the big screen with my girlfriend and us kind of like, you know, passing judgment on the on the characters and the, the sort of interrogation scenes and things like that. I know she's had an amazing time with Splatoon, you know, kind of in the yeah. more traditional like it's a multiplayer game that you sit on your couch and you want the big screen. And as much as I know everybody else played Breath of the Wild, uh, not necessarily everybody else, but I think most other people probably played that more primarily on the big screen, I, I sort of loved having it on the small screen uh, and having that intimacy with it. Another game I really loved, and it was my bedtime game for months and months. And then I I really like nearly 100%ed this game. I, I beat every ultimate challenge in it. And I'm just waiting for that Donkey Kong DLC uh, is Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Like mm-hmm. it was such a perfect game to just, I played it almost pretty much primarily like in bed you know like this was the game i played to relax with exactly like what you're talking about with like a a beloved paperback just lie there and just 
let my brain be engaged in this wonderful activity that wasn't too fast paced to, uh, you know, keep me from getting sleepy, but it also wasn't, you know, it wasn't boring. So it actually engaged me. And so I'm not doing that thing where you're lying in bed and, and now you're having every thought you're ever going to have in your life kind of at once and you can't sleep. It was like the most perfect activity for me, uh, getting ready to sleep for a long time. And that was, ugh. That's, really helped. Yeah. It really helped during a horrible fall. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I wish I'd had it uh, for <laughs> for more of that horrible yeah. fall. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I did like I did have it in a few clutch situations of late, and it was it, it was very useful to to have on me. Um, and I, I am curious to see like. I think one of the things that's going to happen in 2018, certainly by 2019, uh, is that. The Switch is going to feel ever less like a walled Nintendo garden. Mm, that's yeah. already sort of, and that that period's already kind of ending. Uh, there's already like tons. I mean, uh, there's La Noire on the Switch. Like already, right. you know, you can get like <laughs> and Doom. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you can get a lot of like experiences that you would not consider like Nintendo ass experiences on the Switch. But <laughs> yeah. like, I guess more. Is those are going to be years where like maybe mentally it's going to shift from being this like magical new device to like okay yeah this is just the portable like gaming device and I'm curious if that like changes anything like I am curious whether this, some of these relationships will hold up uh, when I'm no longer sort of lulling myself to sleep with Stardew Valley right or <laughs> right. just doing like you know uh, I want to see if I can climb that tower in uh you know breath of the wild or can i climb that like icy mountain do i have the the food stuffs and the clothes <laughs> to, to actually get up there uh this time like once i'm no longer doing that stuff once i'm for instance playing you know darkest dungeon or something like that will the switch still feel like uh this transcendent experience uh i don't know but i, I still kind of hope so because yeah. i'm so used to all my other most other gaming for me ends up keying me up. Like it's very much like it wants to hold my attention, or at least I approach it with this mindset that my attention is there to be held. Right. Uh, that like, okay, I am turning myself over to this giant ass TV and this you know enormous you know set of speakers, or I'm put you know turning off the lights. I'm throwing on these headphones, like locking the door, and like you know <laughs> nobody come out until I've defeated uh, the zombie hillbillies of Resident <laughs> Evil Seven. Uh, and I don't have that uh, with the Switch. With the Switch, I'm still like I'm playing in bed, and my eyes get heavy. It's it's time to call it. Uh, and and so like I, I think for me this has probably been the most surprising uh, like relationship changer I've had uh, with with a gaming device probably since I got into PC gaming uh, in a, in a serious way. Um, it's it's weird for me because in in some ways like if you've been involved with consoles more i suspect you've had a lot of like sea changes in terms of like what gaming looks and feels like yeah uh but for me like most of my gaming experiences have kind of been locked since the mid to late 90s that's, uh like yeah that's so crazy to me but yes please do yeah no i mean that like it's always been like I, primarily I game on a desktop PC. Yeah. I go, I sit in an office chair. Uh, used to be, you know, mom and dad's office chair. And now it's, now it's mine. Now I'm yeah. the big boy. Uh, <laughs> the big boy. big boy season. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, 
so yeah, now that's now that's changed. Uh, like for the first time for me in like you know twenty twenty five years, uh, and suddenly I'm like, okay, like handheld gaming, yeah. But I don't feel like I'm making a compromise the way I felt with like every other handheld system felt to me like okay. It's a handheld system. Like here are the compromises they've made. Here, you know, here's the experience you get to have on this device. The Switch, I don't feel that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that kind of gets at a lot of what I originally loved about the the PC gaming in the first place was that to a degree it always felt like a have your cake and eat it too platform. And now the Switch covers all the other eventualities. Yeah, that's a very very good point um, about sort of. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a handheld because that's 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 not something I um, I've always liked handheld, right? I've always mm-hmm. been actually like I, I wouldn't call myself a primarily handheld gamer, but I've always loved my 3ds and the the uh, the DS before that and the Game Boy before that. Of course, Nintendo down the line, pretty much. <laughs> I think we have a Vita. We have a Vita, but yeah, I haven't played as much of it. It's <laughs> it just goes where all the Vitas go to fan. the gaming farm in New Hampshire. Hey, I know it's, it's uh, yeah. Um, I've always been a Nintendo, you know, chick. Like <laughs> I've just always loved Nintendo yeah. games. It was many problems that I have with the company sometimes for uh, things like how they treat you know fan work and so on and so forth. Um, I love the games they make. So I've always been you know a big fan of of when you know Donkey Kong Country Returns showed up on the 3DS. And last year, one of my top ten games of the year was was Punch Club 3DS. Uh, so I, I like the handheld experience in general. Of course, Animal Crossing really deserves a, a mention here because that, that was previously a game that I felt very much at home with. Uh, but yeah, exactly what you're saying. The Switch kind of offers that possibility of, yeah, you can have all this sort of comfort and, and intimacy of a handheld uh, without sacrificing the the kind of power and, and sort of sophistication and the feeling of, of having like a decent piece of hardware in your hands. Of, of, you know, sort of a bigger console or, or a PC. It is a kind of a magical thing. And it's one of those things that Nintendo does do occasionally that's like almost a no-brainer once it comes out, uh, but <laughs> probably was an incredible battle to get there. One of those things, oh, it looks easy. What an easy concept, you know, a, a sort of a, a console that's also a handheld. Oh, what a, what a you know, seems like a, a very easily imagined thing, but... I, I'm sure it wasn't easy to get there. <laughs> well, and especially after like, I mean, there have to be people at Sony like wondering like, why didn't this happen for us? Right? Like, where right. did we go wrong? The like, Vita was kind of that in certain ways, and it wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, it's it's a really difficult thing to to figure out. Like, there's an entire like I would need to I, I need to spend time with a Vita at some point and try to parse out a reverse engineer like why this lands and, and and that doesn't. Did technology just change and like the Switch became viable for a certain type of gaming that like you know five years ago you couldn't make a handheld that did that did something like this. I have no idea, yeah. but it is this interesting thing of like. Nintendo do have a track record, and usually for me, it has not worked. Like even the Wii, <laughs> which was this, you know, in terms of a like system sold, like was a, was a huge success. Uh, I'm not sure if the game library lived up to the the footprint the platform had, but um, <laughs> usually the sort of magical rethinking how controllers and games work thing that Nintendo often does doesn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think. 
N64 is where I, where I started to suspect, suspect like Nintendo games were no longer for me. Sure. And like GameCube is when I fucking knew it. I was, <laughs> I was just like, okay, I think, I think I am done here. Um, this is just like, since the SNES, like my interest in Nintendo has gone completely in different directions. And that was a sort of a, that was kind of a relationship changer uh, between me and video games. Cause like, you know, given my budgetary constraints and time constraints at the time, like Nintendo sort of forced me to choose, like, are you still going to like be in this playground? And I was like, no, I, I don't think I am. Like, I don't think this is, this is for me anymore. Yeah. Uh, and at the time I was like, I'm putting away childish things. I'm playing the real <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm less of an asshole now, I hope. Like your corpse gulch, you know? You, yeah. You had your corpse gulch to attend to. I <laughs> just understand. have to put my toys away. You were a yeah, teenage exactly. boy at the time, you know. <laughs> Rob, have you disposed of all those guards? Yes. Where are they? <laughs> Did you do it responsibly? <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the corpse gulch? Yeah. Uh, so, like, for me, this is the positive version of... Okay, like this is a case where again Nintendo asked, like, well, what can we do that's profoundly different? Since we're never going to win the uh, specs arms race yeah. with with anyone, uh, what can we do that's different? Uh, and this time it like it identified a need I did not know I had. Yeah. Oh, they're kind of good at that. At least sometimes. When I look yeah. back at the Wii, you know, as you're talking about sort of uh, the control issue, I look back at the Wii and I could not play those games anymore because of my wrist. And like, even at the time, um, this was before I was boxing, so it was before I completely ruined my wrist. Even at the time, it was kind of painful to play a lot of those games for more than, you know, an hour or two at a time. And I was reviewing games on the Wii and it's like, it almost feels like it was just kind of a necessary stepping stone, but I, I, I don't know if even as a Nintendo fan, if I actually look as fondly upon uh, a lot of those games as I did at the time, which is weird because typically for me, a lot of Nintendo games, I, I am thrilled to go back and play them. Yeah. Like, I am thrilled to go back when I, you know, kind of had got to gotten to go back and play sort of HD remasters of Zelda games. It's been a friggin' blast. Like um, Wind Waker, uh, the, the sort of HD remaster, they only tinkered with a few things uh, with that game. And I, I had an even better time, you know, playing the, the sort of newer version of that than I did the first time. And, you know, uh, Twilight Princess was so much better because it was actually accessible to me. I could play it on a normal controller and, you know, Majora's Mask was great. So I love going back and playing Nintendo games. But if I had to go back and play Mario Galaxy right now, it would I, I don't know if I could play it. I think it would hurt too much. It would actually actively hurt my wrist too much to play it. So it's yeah, man, that was a stepping stone. I don't know. I think those controllers were only good for Wii Sports. Yeah, pretty much. Like I like <laughs> I fucking hated those things. Like yeah. you would not believe. Um yeah, it was a weird it was a weird console. A weird time. It was a weird time. It was a very weird time. That was like I mean, just for me personally, like I, I was I had just graduated college and gone to grad school when the Wii came out and it was a weird time man it was a weird time. well it's there's, there's a like story to be written just like looking at that whole era holistically like yeah. you've got nintendo doing the stuff with motion controls then everybody's trying to copy right like playstation what oh, was that move. thing the kill zone gun it was like basically like an m4 assault rifle oh, but it was like God. made of those fucking like 
uh, PlayStation like uh, Move uh, controllers or whatever the hell they yeah. were the the little light the ball wands. things yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so you'd like strap those to your fucking kill zone gun and like you could I don't know stand in your living room like some sort of special forces operator asshole and I, be I, like I'm playing kill zone <laughs> and then like if anybody then, did that I need to know <laughs> God. Yeah, I hope somebody fucking cosplayed and played with that, and the like video of it lives online. And then you got like Microsoft basically being like, "Well, what if, uh, what if you just invited the Panopticon into your home and helped it play games with you, uh, and invented this really interesting piece of hardware that everyone just hated? Uh, yep. <laughs> that, like literally, the only thing anyone ever liked was uh, doing dance moves, dance central, uh, basically in the mirror." Yeah. Uh, so, and then like the the music games, like there's this entire era where everyone's sort of questioning, like, well, what else ga- can games be, um, and whether or not maybe that connects to sort of the Jane McGonagall esque like gamification utopian and uh, techno utopianism uh, of that era. Like, I don't know. It's it's yes. an, it's a conversation. Like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, the mid two thousands to early tens is now just far enough away that I'm starting to be like, oh, actually there were like coherent threads in that era yeah. that I can start to pick apart. And it is seeming weirder in retrospect. It really is. I wonder if there were enough like Guitar Hero plastic fucking guitars to like string around the earth twice or something. There probably were at that God, point. God, I've still got my PS2 set up in the, uh, sorry, my, my, my PS3 uh, rock yeah. band stuff uh, kicking around my apartment. And, like, I know I need to get rid of it. I have a DJ Hero table I never used. I got it for Christmas one year, and I never played it. And I actually am really upset about that because I, I heard, heard it was that real was good. great. Like, Ryan Quo said it was. I'm, like, looking yeah. at my closet now, and I'm like, did any of this make the move from San Francisco? Like, Or did it go it. to that alley where, where most of your, yeah. your treasures are? My comics. Oh, my God. I yeah. had so many great comics that just, they were, they, I put them in, like, a Safeway bag. I just put don't, free and gratis Danielle, on do it. do not look back. Just oh, do not turn oh, around. God. Do not look back at what we leave behind. Oh, moving cross country, a thing you've done more recently than I. Hell of a thing. Hell of oh, a thing to do. There is nothing <laughs> more. There's nothing that produces more ambivalence than like oh. leaving a place you love. Yep. Uh, I I think for me, like my, your experience for me was split into two things. Like there was the leaving a place I love for like an opportunity, but a super uncertain future. Yeah. Uh, in a new place, and then there is also the other thing of like, just in the end, you couldn't make a clean exit from your life, and you just leave huge chunks of it, like yep. literally thrown out in the trash, oh my God. and you just you just need to go. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. My God. My God. Animal Crossing uh, got me through that time. Animal Crossing on the 3DS, if we're talking about handholds, got me through that time. And Aw, handholds. Yeah, sometimes hand, hand handhelds are like a handhold. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm, on that awesome note, <laughs> I guess we should go into our, our weekend correspondence. Maybe we should do one question because I know it's a, a bit of a, a, a quicker a quicker pod today. All right, I have to you know watch what? my girlfriend play soccer. A, so. I think there's a better one then, because I'm then I'm sorry. I'm going to cut a question because I think there's a stronger one. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's do there this. There you go. All right. Ready? <clears throat> All right. I'm ready. If you're ready. Okay. 
Hi, Danielle and Rob. Long time listener, but uh, a while since I've written in. Six months ago, I began the arduous, joyous, and long overdue task of transitioning. It's been a long fight, but I'm happier than ever, and for the most part, have won the battle. A lot happens when you transition, obviously. Most changes are desired, self-evident, and come as advertised. Some differences are more subtle, and they creep into your life without your expectation. One that I found to be the most surprising, strangely, is video game related. Pre-transition, I would never have self-described as an adrenaline junkie, though my 300 hours clocked in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds might dictate otherwise. I used to love crunchy systems, heady tactics, and feeling my hands sweat from purposefully stressful games and genres, the Souls franchise, Invisible Ink, PUBG, etc. But a few weeks ago, I realized something had changed, and it wasn't just my cup size. I found that I had slipped into and fallen in love with Stardew Valley, walking simulators, visual novels, and to put it bluntly, more passive experiences, something I never liked before. My 100, this is 144 hertz monitor, uh, sitting two inches from my eyes, cursing at PUBG, was traded for the quiet comfort of tending to my farm, period piece, uh, quote, Victoria, playing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Even more surprising, I'm actively turned off by intense experiences and violence in games now. The feminist part of my brain says, no, Emma, you don't like cozy, comfortable games now simply because you have female hormone levels. Women don't inherently want pleasant experiences. Look at Danielle. She's a proud MMA fighter. You don't get to like, you get to like cozy stuff, but it's not just because you're a woman. People of all genders like comfortable experiences. It's a very strange feeling and one I haven't quite unpacked quite yet. Ultimately, though, I like what I like and honestly, who gives a shit? So questions. A. How does your taste in games intersect with your gender or stereotypes about your gender? Or B, when in your life have you realized, huh, I guess my tastes have changed drastically. With love, Emma from Chicago. Uh, And there's a PS here from Emma. Shout out to the Waypoint community Discord and forums. I couldn't have transitioned without your support and I love you all. Thank you, DNR, rest of the Waypoint team and moderators for fostering uh, such a loving, inclusive community. Uh, First of all, uh, congrats, Emma. That's amazing. very excited that's really great to hear and uh i'm also you know thank you so much and thank you mods of course uh who do such an amazing job in the waypoint community uh making people feel safe and included which is super super rad um i really like this letter uh as well because i i uh, you know very uh comfortable in in my gender identity but i've always felt very much like i am both a tomboy and I have a lot of very sort of stereotypical feminine traits and interests as well. (laughs) Um, I've always loved, uh, obviously, like platformers and, uh, of course, immersive sims. And I like the act of sort of playing in a world more than more than I like fighting things and more than I like uh, sort of. uh, Doing, I guess, other sort of very discreet actions in games, I, I, I prefer exploring and puzzling things out and figuring out how I can fuck with things maybe more Uh, I still like combat in games and I just prefer combat in life you know as soon as this wrist heals up hopefully I can you know go back to choking people out Uh, but it it is something I definitely hear (laughs) Uh, is is that sort of intersection of oh am I a stereotype because I I, that's something I feel all the time uh, the am I a stereotype for for more more like you know, my, my sort of more butch qualities. I'm like, oh, I'm a lesbian stereotype. Like I walk around <laughs> worrying about that sometimes. Right. And then other times I, w- I walk around wondering if I'm like more, oh, what, am I being like a girly girl? Like, am I, am I so sensitive that I'm being a girly girl? Am I so, you know, do I like 
very expressive things? Am I like very, uh, you know, emotional and uh, enjoy sort of interpersonal communication because I'm a girl? Like I, I have these thoughts, obviously not coming from the same place at all uh, as, as from Emma, but I have these thoughts a lot. Uh, and it, it can be difficult to parse them. Like you are who you are for a million reasons. And it's, it's kind of impossible to ever, uh, you know, point your finger at any one reason for the way that you feel about something or the way that you interact with the world in certain ways. So I, I would say don't, maybe don't, maybe don't worry too, too much about, uh, whether or not this is sort of a stereotype, you know, that you, that you now enjoy certain things or feel that you're enjoying certain things differently now that, you know, you've gone through certain changes. Uh, it, it might well be that you're more open to certain experiences because of your, of your transition, or it might be that you're in a, a period of your life where you're maybe perhaps more open to certain things. Maybe you're thinking about certain things differently because there's a lot of other changes in your life. Um, but also don't worry. Don't worry what people think. <laughs> you like what you like, like, as you said here. Yeah. So I should frame this carefully because I'm going to talk about where my roommate's cat <laughs> and I'm not drawing like parallels. Like I'm not like, yeah, I understand transitioning because right. I live with a fucking tabby. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> But I have learned something from uh, this big orange boy that, that big I boy. live with. Yep, big boy. Um, no, so my roommate has this cat. And like in the year or two I've, I've like lived with this cat, the cat has seemingly changed personalities at times. Like uh, right now, he lately he's been what sometimes might be termed like a raging asshole cat <laughs> uh but like other times he's just like a really soft sweet cat and these and these periods like last months it's i didn't know cats did this and maybe not all cats do but this cat anyways as his owner kind of explained to me like has phases and like there's periods where like he's really interactive he really wants to like play in kittenish ways and there's times when he's really introverted like shut in cat and basically like you know lives in tries to live in the attic <laughs> and what i've like realized is like this cat's just doing what feels right for that cat at that yeah. time he doesn't have like this rigid sense of self that like i think we as humans are often trying to protect like no this is how i define myself like i like these things i do these things like he just kind of flows into whatever feels right and a lot of time that mean time that means uh eating various household plants but he's not he's not going to sweat that he's not going to be like oh man like i just i just hid upstairs all day like who who am i right this is this is fucked up but like i compare that to like how i like meanwhile i am constantly trying to force myself into doing more of the stuff that like i know i like but maybe sometimes I don't like it anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like maybe that maybe their fa like their phases. I'm just like, man, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't get into I can't get into shooters like I used to. I'm having a really hard time staying interested in strategy games right now. And then I always approach that as like, well, that's a fucking problem because like clearly, if that taste has changed, then something really profound, personal, and like specific to me has has likewise changed. And then I try to like sort of right the ship, right, and like you know get back in get back in my zone because that's where I feel like the person I've the the sort of identity I sort of self constructed around myself. Um, but I do wonder like if 
you were not as wedded to if you didn't feel as wedded to how you've always like like had this sense of who you are um the self-identity if you do get away from that uh does that give you the freedom to maybe be more in tune with just like who you are right now you know that you that you're not always the same person you have phases like anything else um and maybe right now like clearly i am in stardew like that's who i am right now like i am somebody who wants to just like wrap myself in a warm shawl and like drink tea and like go like you know work on my farm and uh you know romance uh leah like all day like that's that's my that's my life that's that's where i want to be right now and like that doesn't mean that in a month or two i'm not going to be like you know what i really need to do is uh, try a new strategy to bring Nazi Germany to its knees by 1942. <laughs> like, you know, play Hearts of Iron yeah. uh, 3. That, like, those things aren't, the, the, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, and I'm, like, certainly something I'm trying to be better about is, like, not always trying to treat an aberration from my habits and the preferences that I know I have as some sort of problem to be solved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting experience. And I can, like, like I, I, like my suspicion reading this is maybe the transition has nothing to do with this. Yeah. And like, it's just so many other things are changing right now that like, guess what? Sometimes you don't feel like a power gamer. Like <laughs> that shit is tiring. Like, yeah. like just reading 144 Hertz monitor two inches away from your face. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I'm so exhausted by that life. A lot going on. There's a lot to deal with, a lot to uh, process, a lot to experience. Sometimes, sometimes you want to chill, and that's cool. Yeah. And that's a cool, totally good instinct. That um, said, I'm totally buying a 144 hertz <laughs> uh, 27 inch monitor with G Sync soon. Uh, so if anybody has recommendations, it's like, uh, <laughs> just the yeah. other the other quick thing to say about this question is, I definitely have the tastes of like. Um, like, you know, that like legend, the, the myth of like how, like, I think it was Achilles was sort of hidden from the Greeks and like disguised, uh, you know, in, you know, among women. Yeah. And the way they sort of smoked him out was they brought like a bunch of girly toys and then like fucking swords and armor and shit. And like all the girls go to the girly toys and then Achilles is like, fucking yeah, sword. And like, ah, there he is. They knew. Uh, <laughs> As much as that's not how like life actually works, I am totally that stereotype. Like, I I suspect that the way aspects of my personality have been encouraged to express themselves in sort of a gendered way yeah. is why like I am a hundred percent about like military histories, campaigns, <laughs> logistics, organization, like all that shit. Like yeah. I am basically like a nerdy, you know, slightly uh, detail oriented homemaker, mm-hmm. but that's coming out as like, okay, now organize your, you know, your command hierarchy for uh, Napoleon's <laughs> Napoleon's legions. Uh, that's, that's how, I, that's how I roll. What's funny about that is I, <laughs> I also would and literally did always run for the boys toys and actually yeah. was like, yeah, I swords 110%. I want the swords. I want to kick everybody's ass. I want to do the active thing. 
I was such a tomboy. I was a ridiculous, ridiculous tomboy growing up. Did you do that before? Like, I'm curious. Did you do that? Like, was there an element of rejecting classical femme identity when you're like, was there there a self-aware component of like, I don't want to do girly shit. I want to do what the men are doing. I think it was. I think it was also just it it appealed to me on the most fundamental level. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wanted to do active things. I never wanted to do anything passive unless I was asleep. And then I was happy to be asleep. And it's not that I rejected everything that was girly. I liked things like stuffed animals. And, you know, I certainly was like a sensitive child. I'm a sensitive woman. Like, I I definitely think I, I, you know, sort of developed healthy, uh, like emotional and like, you know, sort of coping skills and like the way, you know, ability to communicate with others pretty well. But I was a little tomboy and a little jock and I just wanted to play basketball and skateboard and get dirty and roll in the mud and do all that stuff uh, like 110% of the time. Uh, so yeah, it was, it's a little weird. I'm, I'm just like, as an aside, I'm really grateful that my parents encouraged this and didn't make me play with Barbies and got me Ninja Turtles instead. <laughs> like I'm really happy about that. I remember as a child, sometimes kind of hearing things from relatives or family friends, like, oh, she wants a doll. And like my mom being like, this is what she liked. And this is what she wanted. And her being very like encouraging of her tiny little tomboy daughter, uh, which I think is probably part of the reason I'm a like, you know, I had such a happy (laughs) upbringing was that my parents kind of, you know, encouraged me and supported me to be my little tiny jockey sort of tomboyish self um yeah i mean like (laughs) there's still certainly a lot wrapped into that i was always terrified uh i grew up like really terrified to be queer because i was a tomboy i thought like oh no i'm just a tomboy but i like boys which i did and still do but uh there's a lot of shit there too there's a lot of uh gender shit kind of wrapped in uh with with a lot of those sort of stereotypes and it and it sucks of course that there are like boys toys and girls toys and there can't just be like whatever you fucking like like gender neutral like whatever like it's cool you want to roll around in the mud sometimes you want to hug a stuffed animal sometimes you do you little little person you know i'd be really (laughs) curious what kids toy sets would look like or what like his toy habits would look like if uh like superhero action figures were the same or like if like Barbie dolls and like action dolls, like were the same like form factor and like had yeah. the same articulation points as mm-hmm. like action figures. Yeah, it would be it would be fascinating. Like I in an ideal world, I think there would be things that look more masculine, things that look more feminine, things that are anywhere in between, and that it's just like it's all cool. Whatever you like to tactical play with. Barbie, tactical fucking Barbie Joe, like yeah, GI <laughs> Barbie, like come on, let's do it. And and also the frilly thing, and then also like a completely sort of gender neutral person, like if that's what the kid likes, fucking enjoy it, like have fun. I I, I dislike a lot of gender stereotyping at a young age, of course, because I I think it can be really harmful for children who don't kind of fit in with things and uh, no. You know, like, I I also fully support, like, if you like that frilly thing, you should enjoy that frilly thing. Or if you like that super, you know, military thing, you should enjoy that, too. I just personally. But there shouldn't be this constantly questioning of, like, uh, well, why aren't you playing with your. Yeah. Yeah. I literally do not know the name of a single Barbie playset. It's okay. Dream house. Got nothing. Malibu car. 
I don't know. It's been since the 90s. My sister was huge into Barbies and I was huge into like Legos and Ninja Turtles. Um, and I remember I actually, I, so this uh, is kind of funny, but I remember I was really mad that there were no girls in Lego commercials. And my mom, like some poor, poor, like Toys R Us representative or something got an earful from my mom who was like, my daughter likes building with Legos and it's always boys on the covers. And why is that? And it was like, go mom. Like I think about that now and I'm like, oh, my mom is fucking awesome. <laughs> good, good mom. Good mom move right yeah. there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Emma. That was really, really great question and uh, really, really good food for thought there. And also congratulations, of course. Uh, congrats on that. Um, if we want to go into our quickly go into some of our weekend projects, Rob, is there something you are watching or reading or particularly enjoying right now? Uh, yeah, I um, so I'm in the middle of I'm almost done with the fourth season of Peaky Blinders, uh, and it has become like look, it is I've talked about this before. It is a mob gangster stereotype show uh, for sure. It is definitely hitting some familiar arcs, but it is just so good at doing the genre uh, that I just I, I I am helpless before the show. Uh, and this fourth <laughs> season, I think, has been a real return to form. Like I think season three, need, like was one of those seasons that needed to get from point A to point C, but like didn't have a, a clear B in mm. mind. Yeah. Uh, and so like that that season felt like it was a little bit off the rails and didn't exactly know where it was headed. Uh, but this fourth season is delivering on stuff that has been in motion since like the second season. It's delivering on a lot of like plot threads that have been left dangling uh, over the years. Um, and also it's just getting an increasingly stacked uh, supporting cast in this fourth season. Um, Adrian Brody uh, is doing a deliciously overplayed um Brando in the God- in the Godfather. Oh, uh basically yeah. just like the most like Italian gangster 1920s stereotype you can pot like just shameless. <laughs> just utterly fucking shameless. Uh and speaking of shameless like uh you know Tom Hardy is continuing to be one of the weirdest presences uh, on the show as a slightly crazed, uh, ultra-violent, like, uh, Jewish uh, distiller oh, wow. uh, gangster. It's real good. Um, and then, but but at the same time, like, Killian Murphy is a great actor. It's a great cast around these characters. As heightened as the material is, uh, they do make it land. Oh, that's fantastic. And that is 20s period, right? That's the... Yeah. Okay. Which is funny... Because my uh, weekend project is actually Boardwalk Empire, which is a 20, also sort oh, of set shit. in the 20s. Uh, I'm in the fourth season right now. And it's funny because this is sort of something I am uh, dipping into and out of a little bit because my girlfriend is like mainlining this show. She's watching like two episodes a day as we're, you know, as we like wind down with work and yeah. finishing up work. She's she's watching it while we have dinner, that kind of thing. Really enjoying the show. Uh, I might talk about this again at some point because, uh, you know, I don't want to go too, too far into it right now. Uh, but it is just one hell of an HBO uh, period piece series. That just I watched has... the first season and I, yeah. I admired it a lot yeah. um, in terms of like production value. Uh, Steve Buscemi is is excellent. He's got a very good cast. Uh, it felt like it meandered an awful lot. Oh, it sure does. I mean, it, it does kind of go all over the place uh, with certain characters. And there, I, I respect that it has certain characters who are just so deeply unlikable 
um, it, that it's interesting to kind of see where they go with it and then sort of punish those characters and then sort of get behind them a little bit and then go back to punishing them. It It is a show where, you know, main characters die all the time, which is pretty cool and I guess sort yeah. of, uh, you know appropriate for you know the the swinging the roar sorry not the swinging 20s well if you're if you're the roaring 20s (laughs) yeah i mean like the thing that if you're doing a movie about like mob violence in the 20s uh and particularly the 20s yeah it was extremely violent in that era like crime was not super organized at that point like and they were pretty like there were some pretty serious gang wars and life expectancy was not great for gang leaders as various businesses consolidated. Yeah. It's, it's just I think a, that's... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, but I think that's one of the... Actually, one of the cool things about that show, too, is like, I think in the first season, there's this scene where... um, What's his name? Nucky Thompson? Nucky! Yeah. Short for Enoch, which is amazing. But yes, Nucky. Nucky. But he keeps trying to be like, oh, I'm not really a crime boss. Like, I'm not really, like, in this world. And... Sort of his uh, like mentee in that era, uh, in that period of the show, who's this young soldier returned from the war and has become just a real violent asshole in a yeah. lot of ways. Uh, but one of the things he says, he basically calls him on it. He's like, "Look, you know, you're surrounded by gangsters. You know, you do gangster shit. You're a gangster." Yeah. And he he hands him money from a heist, basically, and it's a great moment because it's like so much of that show, at least in the early seasons, is like. Oh, Nucky wants to be like a businessman. Like he, yeah. he like all this is just regrettable necessity to like become the uh, de facto mayor of Atlantic City that he wants to be. But he doesn't actually like want to be a gangster. Yeah. But he, he keeps sort of like decision by decision backing his way into being like one of the biggest nastiest gangsters of them all. Yeah, it's it's amazing to watch his sort of. Uh diving deeper and deeper and deeper into this world as i am like in the fourth season a lot of shit has gone down and nucky being such a fascinating character uh with yeah again an incredible incredible performance maybe uh buscemi's best and that's saying something because the dude can act and he's been in some yeah. really great projects um just oh my god just drowning in his own sins in a lot of ways and feeling really terrible about them and being a person with a conscience who is doing these things it is utterly fascinating oh god there's an episode in the first season that just ends with this great line oh darling it's way too late to start being good oh yes god yeah that's the that's the kicker of the whole series (laughs) it's so good so amazing and of course we've got like not cameos, uh, because it's not really the proper term, but Al Capone's in this show. We've got... Um, God, he is. That's right. Oh, Shit. my God. He sure is. Al Capone has some moments in this show, especially as we go on. Um, oh, God. Lucky Luciano. Yep. Lucky's in there. What's his face? Uh, Meyer the, Lansky. The beginning of the FBI. Why can I not think of oh, Hoover? Oh, uh, Hoover. Yeah. Jay Edgar's God, oh, I forgot even the fucking... The FBI agent, uh, Mike... Uh, I know God. who you're thinking of. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't think of his name. But he he has a hell of an arc. Oh, my God. Boardwalk Empire. I'm like, yeah. Boardwalk Empire. Michael Shannon. Michael yes. Shannon. Oh, my God. Oh yeah. My God. Who, his yeah. arc. Who's like, uh, has developed a great career as playing Terrifying Wasp. Yep. Which he is in this. Yep. Holy shit. Is he ever. 
Uh, his yep. character, deeply, deeply unlikable. And There's some shit that just. Yeah. Okay. I I might I might need to dive into season two. It's, I'm like rubbing my hands now. Maybe you can hear it on mic. But I'm like, yeah. 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 There was that scene. With him and the the lady and his lady friend. Uh, I was thinking about the baptism. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. There you it, go. It, you're like, okay, so this is going in a bit of a uh, oh brother, where are they direction? Nope. <laughs> no, it is not, sir. It's uh, it's doing something else. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's it's a really great show. Again, I'll probably talk about this uh, again, uh, maybe when I finish up the series. Uh, but yeah, it's oh, it's delicious. It's, it's absolutely delicious. Uh, really fun. Um, Really fun as a period piece as well. Uh, a lot of fun yeah. watching, uh, you know, sort of the boardwalk scenes as well of Boardwalk Empire, you know, the Atlantic City boardwalk. Yeah. And, oh boy, was life ever terrible uh, in the 20s for anybody who was not a rich white dude. Oh, oh holy shit. <laughs> and I guess even for them, Nucky, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens to Nucky. I haven't gotten there yet, but we'll we'll see what happens to Nucky. Uh, on, on that note, I uh, think we should... Uh, Head out and enjoy our weekends. So this episode of Idle Weekend was produced by yours truly and hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about Idle Weekend at idleweekend.net and send us questions for our weekend correspondence at questions at idleweekend.net. Keep up with the latest from us. Follow us on Twitter at Idle Weekend. And we really do appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us uh, this weekend. And we also really appreciate it if you would tell your friends, tell your 20s gangster buddies. Tell your underbosses. Your, <laughs> your underbosses. Your button, your button man. <laughs> tell your bros at the speakeasy. You know, tell anybody that you think might enjoy our show. Word of mouth is definitely. We're huge with the flappers. Oh, yeah. Our, our flapper engagement is like through the roof. Let me tell you. <laughs> God, maybe I want one of those haircuts. But anyway, uh, if you you tell them about us, that would be so great for us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, if you could leave us a, a review on iTunes as well, uh, especially if you're a flapper. I mean, that really goes pretty far on iTunes. Uh, that means the world to us. So thank you so much. And for Rob Zachney, this is Danielle Riendo wishing you the finest of idle weekends. <laughs>